Things going to be all right. Good day wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio. It's Friday, March 27th, 2015. We've got episode 362 coming up today. My name is Radio Joe Hughes. Here with me in the studio is our engineer, John. You gotta have faith. He's got us all set up, ready to go. Joining me from Studio C in McKee's Rocks is the Z Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Is he unmuted? Hello, everybody. Good day, Cliff. We got everybody set up, ready to go. This week, we're going to have a preview of the RIA conference and also discuss some related current events and some industry initiatives that they have going. Uh, Looking forward to a good show. We've got uh, the executive director, Mark Mark Salvatelli, is going to join us today. And we've also got, of course, the Global Watchdog, Pete Consigli, joining us, and we're hoping to have a couple of the uh, RIA board members join us at the end of the show. Before we get started, let's thank our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, or restoration and abatement contractor shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfacts with an X. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products or services. All right, you can stream our show direct from the homepage of our website, iaqradio.com, or follow the link that says Go to Show, where you can either stream or download past shows. And, of course, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. All right, let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. Win a cool prize by out-competing fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IQ radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is easy. You can either email it to czalotnik at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text in the answer via your computer. Congratulations. This is Don Weeks in-air environmental, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, for answering last week's IQ Radio Trivia question. The IQ Radio Trivia question for Friday, March 27, 2015, has been sponsored by TRISCA, the Tri-State Restores and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Their website is trsca.org. Now for today's IQ Radio trivia question. 
What does the National Football League, the NFL, the National Hockey League, the NHL, and the PGA have in common with the Restoration Industry Association? Back to you, Joe. Thank you, Cliff. Today's guest is Mark Selvatelli. He's the executive director of the Restoration Industry Association. He's got over 20 years of association management experience, currently serving in that role as executive director for RIA. His experience features a diverse range of association roles, including membership, conference management, government affairs, and operations. He has provided association management consulting services to numerous organizations prior to joining RIA. He's worked a lot in strategic planning, leadership development, and board management. He's a graduate of the Penn State University, right up the road from Studio D here in Central City. He's got a degree in political science. He was awarded the CAE, the Certified Association Executive Credential, in 2002 by the American Society of Association Executives. We've got a little intro music for Mark. All right. Mark, do we have you on the line? Sure do, Joe. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Finally get a chance to talk. I, I haven't had a chance to meet you in person, but uh, look forward to doing that soon. Let's talk a little bit before uh, we get into some of the initiatives, a little bit about this year's RIA convention and expo. Where's it at? How does this compare with prior events? What's the theme this year? Yeah, things are looking great for um, this year's show. We are uh, Last year, we had about 850 uh, attendees to the show, and right now we're trending uh, significantly ahead of where we were last year. So we're thinking that we'll have you know, at least 850 uh, people there, and the way things are going right now, looks like we will have uh, even more than that. So we're, we're real excited about that. Um, you know, I, I think you know, REA typically doesn't theme its conference, but I think if you were to actually look at, you know, maybe what is the unwritten theme this year, I think you're really going to find it is the diversity of topics in education uh, that we're providing. Um, I, I think we're exceeding what we've put forward in previous years, uh, both in terms of the quantity and in terms of the topics that we're covering. So I think if anybody's going to be really excited about it, I think that's the one thing that we would probably say uh, to, to really you know, engage people as they come out to see us in Las Vegas. And you're in Vegas at, the, is it the Rio? We are at the Rio this year, absolutely. And May 6th through 8th, if I remember correctly. I don't have my note in front of me, but. Uh, Joe, you got a good memory. We uh, are going to be there May 6th to the 8th. I'll be there. That's why. And, and thank goodness Spirit has a new direct flight right out of Latrobe Airport here to Vegas. I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to meeting you in person and, Seeing what the the I've been there um, twice now. It's a great convention. They always have a good keynote speaker. You're you're well known for bringing in top of the line keynotes. Who's the keynote this year? What's the message? Yeah, the keynote this year is Donald Cooper. Um, and you know what what'll be nice too with this year's keynote. Um, Donald's actually from Toronto. He is uh, a Canadian. Uh, he um, uh, he founded Cooper Sports and. One of the things that, you know, he's going to talk about, and it's really one of the key elements of his message, 
Um, you know, he took Cooper from being a small business to being this absolute sports uh, equipment powerhouse in Canada. Um, anybody who's played hockey, um, you know, myself and Scott Stamper included, will tell you, you know, Cooper, Cooper gear is what we grew up using. Um, but, you know, Donald's message is really how to, you know, define your business, excuse me, define your future, grow your business, uh, and improve your bottom line because he has been wildly successful on this. And, you know, for restorers, we thought this was really just the ideal time to have someone come in and be able to deliver this message. Um, you know, we, Scott and I happened to see Donald talk at uh, PLR last fall, and, and both of us just kind of were shooting eyes to, uh, to one another across the room and said, we got to get this guy. Um, so we are really thrilled to, uh, to have him. He's going to kick off the, uh, the conference. And what's great is, is we're going to have opportunities for attendees to have one-on-one -on -one sessions with Donald uh, throughout the day on Thursday. He speaks Thursday morning. Uh, so it's free. Uh, we're going to do it as a first-come, first-serve, but they'll have an opportunity uh, for some personal consultations with a guy who has an unquestioned track record of success. All right, let's bring the Z-Man in, and then I want to bring in the uh, Restoration Industries Global Watchdog, Pete Consigli. But, Cliff, before I go too far along, I want to make sure you get a chance to uh, ask a question or make a comment. Well, I think I have a comment and then a question. I think having an opportunity to do this one-on-one -on -one with uh, you know someone of his experience and success is is something that's unique, and uh, I think I'll sign up for that when I'm done with the broadcast. Uh, <laughs> next thing, uh, what sort of pre- and post-convention events might be of interest uh, to listeners? Yeah, you know, we've, we've got a pretty diverse set, of, particularly on the uh, pre-convention side. So whether you're, you know, coming out to Vegas uh, to, to have fun, and let's face it, a couple of people have been known to do that in Las Vegas, uh, REA is bringing back its golf tournament this year. So for the first time since 2012, we will have a golf tournament. We're going to be out at a uh, Jack Nicklaus-designed uh, course called Bears Best. And it's a uh, course that takes some of, the, uh, some of the best holes that he's got in his courses around the world and plops them down in Vegas. Um, but for those that are coming more for the education side, we have four uh, pre-convention sessions this year. Typically, we have about one or two. This year, we've got four. Uh, we have one that will be a mold refresher. Uh, we also have uh, one on um, building your case uh, for success from that first emergency phone call requesting services. Uh, we've got a content uh, course, uh, really looking for basic terms to the real extensive details, so a real soup to nuts on, uh, on content. And then finally, we're also going to have an uh, EPA RRP certified renovator refresher training course. And for anybody uh, you know, that goes through this that are certified renovators, they need this every five years. So uh, we'll be offering that this year as well, too. Cliff? Um, is the event of the same length as, as prior events? It seems to me from memory that RIA's events used to be a little bit longer in terms of length. Yeah, you know, they, they used to be a little bit longer, Cliff. Your, your, your memory is absolutely spot on there. Um, but a couple years ago, we, we, we shortened it a little bit, and that's really been kind of the trend overall, I think you're going to find with a lot of conventions. Um, 
you know, we have found from members uh, and even non-member attendees that if you can pack more information in a shorter amount of time and allow people to get back to their business, you know, and that's ultimately where they're making money, um, you know, that's really what they want. So we're, we're packing in that information to help them make money in a pretty condensed amount of time so that they can actually be back, you know, ready to respond if, if need be at their businesses. Um, but the overall quantity remains the same. You're just going to find it in a, in a tighter time frame, as you noted. Mark, I'm, I'm curious, you've been around the industry quite a bit, well, not this industry so much, but construction, and then, you know, you've you've been involved with several associations. I'm just curious, what are your initial impressions of the restoration industry people that you're working with, the board, the the members? What, what kind of stands out in your mind coming from a different type of association? Yeah, you know, if there's one thing I'll say, this is a lively bunch. Um, <laughs> and I say that for restorers in general. Um, you know, you, you almost hate to generalize or stereotype, but uh, if there's one thing I've found, is there's not one shy person, it seems, in this industry. Uh, whether it's people I've met through RIA or whether, you know, it's at uh, recent shows that I've been at or events. You know, I was down at the DKI uh, Insights a few weeks ago. And um, it was it was almost like a parade, to tell you the truth. Uh, I, I, I should have been selling tickets. There were more people that were coming up, wanted to talk to me, wanted to talk about RIA. Uh, but if there was one thing I noticed quite a bit, wow, is their passion. You know, if, if there is a group more passionate about what they do, um, I've yet to find it in working for a variety of different industries in, in other association roles. I, I've just been amazed at how passionate these people are about what they do and, and what's helped, you know, put a roof over their over their family's heads. Um, that, to me, stands out more than anything else. And, and, and I say that knowing full well who we've got on the phone with us today, too, and, and, and Pete, because he may very well be the embodiment of the, uh, <laughs> the Energizer Bunny. Passion so there's man. anybody that really, yeah, that, that, that represents that, it's got to be Pete. But I think a lot of people follow those footsteps. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. On my, I was on a trip here recently. On my way home, I picked up a book. Uh, it's, it's called Talk Like Ted. And there are these TED Talks, technology, entertainment, and design. And they're, they're famous talks. They're 18 minutes long. And you know, all the top speakers in the world have done a TED Talk. There's, I think there's maybe 5,000 of them now. And the number one tip from the guy that has looked at all of these and has evaluated what makes them great speakers is their passion for the subject. And um, I agree with you since working with a lot of the restoration guys, um, they, they are a passionate bunch. A lot of them also are guys that, you know, came up from brought themselves up from uh, working as a you know $10 an hour technician out in the field, and now they run a multi-million dollar business, and they're, they're great people. So I'm glad you brought that up and recognized that, and I'd re I highly recommend that book for anyone who wants to be a speaker. Now, this year's convention and expo, um, I know that you get, I believe you get more than just RIA members who attend. I don't know how many, but if they're, if people are not an RIA member, and I know this year you're co-locating with 
the Council of Associations, the IICRCA. How's that going to work, Mark? I mean, can people who are non-members go to the conference and can they get into both convention expos? How's this all going to work together? Yeah, Joe, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you asked because there have been a lot of questions about this. And it, simply put, um, if you are coming to the RIA conference, uh, you will be able to not only walk our trade show floor, you'll have the opportunity to access the trade show for the Council of Associations as well, too. And, and the same applies for their attendees. Their attendees, and they're doing a trade show only, as I understand it, uh, their attendees can walk their trade show floor and walk ours. Now, for their attendees and any non-member of RIA that want to attend our education, uh, there is a separate fee for that. Uh, but this year, with the Council of Associations and RIA being at the same place, under the same roof, at the same time, we thought it would be great to give all the attendees the opportunity to, to walk those trade shows. Because you've been to a lot of shows, Joe, and, and I know Cliff and Pete have as well, too. You know, to be able to get that exposure to that many more products, services, industry supporters, and to be able to network with even more people. I mean, uh, Council of Associations is projecting that they're going to bring in additional 400 people. You know, you combine that with the 850-plus that we're talking about, and uh, you know, simple math tells you you've got over 1,000 people to be able to make connections with in a network. And, you know, for this industry, that's just a fantastic number. So, you know, we're both real excited about that. Uh, and I think it exposes the entire industry to, to more than they've ever had under one roof. So, you know, maybe a little bit complicated in terms of, you know, the uncertainty of what do I get to attend and what do I not get to attend. Uh, but I know that my staff and, and the staff of the Council of Associations are going to be there to be able to answer those questions. But, uh, you know, I think there'll be great opportunities for everybody coming to Las Vegas. Cliff, do you have anything you want to add? I know you're on the council board, the Council of Associations. No, I think that I think that Mark did a, a really good job of of covering it, and uh, you know, I, I think he's also closer to it than I am because you know he's involved in you know the planning and the execution and uh, so on and so forth. Well, and so so listeners know we're working on a follow up show. I haven't gotten uh, feedback yet on whether it will be. I think it'll be the seventeenth of April. Since I haven't heard back yet, let's just make that call. I'm, I'm working on getting the new association director for the IICRC, who, you know, obviously is closely related with the, the council, but also uh, we're, we're going to try and bring Mari back on, Mari Astley with the Council of Associations, Tony Wheelwright, and Brian O'Halleck. So we're working on that. I think they are going to have some kind of speakers or presentations, Cliff. Is that your understanding too? Uh, I saw the schedule. Yes, uh, I, I, I you know had looked at the schedule uh, yesterday. I know that they had, if I'm not mistaken, I think Howard Partridge was doing a presentation. I think Fritz Thompson was doing a presentation. Uh, I think Howard's was on you know business stuff, uh, and I think Fritz was, was as well. Uh, I think Jeremy Reese was doing something on uh, customer service. But I don't uh, think it, it goes at the same time. The, the, the expos, I believe, are at the same time, but I don't know if the educational sessions are. That's something we'll have to clarify. 
because one of the questions I have for Mark, and I want to bring the watchdog on here in a moment as well, is how do you see this kind of rolling out as we go along? You're, you're somewhat new to this industry, but it's been fragmented, as many are, and we're really seeing a push toward unification. ASHRAE and IAQA just consolidated, merged, whatever the term they're using is. I know RIA and IICRC have been really you know, working closely to try and make sure that we're um, not stepping on each other's toes, working together more closely. And now you've got this council of associations who has groups like the American Industrial Hygiene Association, the floor covering people, the the regional associations um, that make up the shareholders of the IICRC. They're all joining together in the Council of Associations. How do you see this possibly uh, rolling out maybe next year? Do you expect to be able to do the same thing again? Well, I, you know, we're, we're talking about it right now. Uh, you know, part of what we've got to work through, at least from, you know, RIA's vantage point is, you know, typically when you're putting together a conference, these are contracts that you lock in years in advance. Right. Um, you know, we'll be in Orlando next year back where we were in 2014, um, you know, but, but the space we had contracted, uh, you know, w- w- at the time was just assuming it was going to be RIA. So this is something that we're trying to work on, you know, with the Orlando Marriott World Center to, to try and expand that footprint and see if, in fact, we can't put that together. Um, but, you know, both, both leadership groups are still talking. And, if, you know, if we can't fully pull it off in 2016, because of, you know, contracts that had been put in place long ago. You know, uh, I don't think anybody doubts that we'd like to try and see something put together for 2017 and, and, and you know, working towards that. Um, sure. I know both leadership groups will, will meet while we're in Las Vegas. Um, you know, it's one of the nice things about being together is, you know, you'll have that opportunity to bring people together in person. And, you know, this is, this is going to be on the table and something that we'll be talking about. Um, you know, I, I think everybody looks at this and says, you know, hopefully this is the good first step. And, uh, I've got uh, a couple questions that I need to ask you. Uh, Mark, what's the current RIA membership? We are um, at about 1,100. I, I think right now it's 1,087. Okay. Um, so the reason I ask is we also have chat that runs along the side, and you know, one of the, the listeners uh, posted, uh, I guess, RIA on LinkedIn, and I guess on LinkedIn it shows up that we have – 7,843 members, that's the LinkedIn group. Right. That's not the association. The association has uh, approximately 1,100. Now, that's not individuals, that's companies. That's and correct. Those Our- companies are, you know, tend to be uh, some of the larger companies. You know, one of the things that, I, I, you know, a lot of organizations use this term international exposition and so on and so forth kind of loosely and I know that RIA uh, does bring contingencies uh, in from different parts of the world. Uh, where do you think you're going to have people coming this year from? Mark? Any idea? No, Cliff, that's a great question. You know, right now uh, looking at RIA's membership in and of itself, we have um, over 100, we actually have about 160 members alone that are just from Canada. Um, so you're already talking a pretty sizable non-U.S. membership pool right there. Um, you know, we're, we're also really, I think, seeing our footprint expand 
in Australia as well, too. You know, we, we have a couple of, of RIA members who have really been doing a great job of, you know, helping RIA establish a strong foothold uh, down under. And we know that we have a pretty good-sized contingent coming over from Australia this year, as we also did last year. Um, we've got a couple of folks coming over from UK. Uh, the last time I saw the registration list, and I believe uh, we also have a member coming over from Taiwan as well, too. So you're starting to see RIA, I think, make a better footprint internationally. And I think you're correct that you do see that term, particularly with trade shows, kind of kicked around a little bit looser than it should. But when you look at RIA's attendance, uh, I, I don't think using the term international uh, is uh, used incorrectly because we really do have a solid footprint from outside the U.S. borders coming to our show. I mean, I can tell you as a vendor you know, who uh, exhibited many of these, but I personally did business uh, with people in France that I met there, in Sweden that I met there, in Israel that I met there, in the United Kingdom and uh, Italy and, and, and so on and so forth. So uh, yeah, I think people have always uh, tended to, you know, flock towards the organization for really the skill set that doesn't really seem to be offered anywhere else. Yeah, and I think it says a lot about the RIA name and what people can find at the convention as well, too, that, you know, they're, they're willing to pay to come over here, and considering how well the dollar is doing against so many international currencies, that's not a cheap trip right now. So I think right. it's a real testament to what we have to offer. Right. Mark, what I'd like to do is get – I've got one more question on the conference, and then I want to go to halftime. After we thank our sponsors at halftime, Cliff has – a an announcement, an unfortunate announcement we have to do. And then at the beginning of the second half, I want to bring Pete in, just kind of giving everybody a little alert. We're going to do about 15 minutes on industry initiatives, and then I want to save a good 15, 20 minutes for the roundup because I see we've got, I believe, Chuck Violand will be joining us, and I hope Scott Stamper and maybe Larry Holder. So um, just want to give everybody a heads up on where we're headed with that. For the second half, we want to – get into some of the industry initiatives and some of the things that RIA is doing to help educate, and that way we can also get some tips out to our listeners so we're not just talking about the convention. But anyway, with respect to next year, um, I believe that's going to be your 70th anniversary. You've already mentioned where it will be. It will be in Orlando. I'm not sure what the dates are, and you may have mentioned that. I missed it. What kind of plans, if any, are you aware of to kind of celebrate that special keystone moment like um, 70 years yeah and and you're right it is a keystone moment and and it is our our 70th anniversary um right now we we've just had very preliminary discussions but you know we we have a full year to plan for it and and right now with those discussions we're making sure we're going to do something special and, and there may be multiple things that we're doing to really recognize this milestone achievement for uh, RIA. But as of now, you know, with about a year out before we get to that, um, they're just preliminary discussions, but I can assure people that, uh, you know, we'll have a good time. There's no doubt about it. That's another thing that 
the restoration guys are passionate about having a good time and, and eating as well. Uh, they're very, very passionate about their food. <laughs> All <laughs> well, right. Then, you know, Vegas has become the foodie place. They'll, they'll walk out with some full bellies. Yes, they will. We're going to break a little early for halftime because I've got a great group coming on for the second half. We'll also bring back Mark Selvatelli, the, the executive director of the Restoration Industry Association. We've got the Global Restoration Industry Watchdog coming up. We've got I believe we've got the uh, current and maybe future presidents of RIA coming on. So hang in there. We're going to first thank our sponsors. Cliff's coming back with an announcement right after that. The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions. We use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Check them out at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors, John Don Products, or restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products or services. Okay. Unfortunately, the Z-Man's got to make a sad announcement, but before he does, let's take a listen. that this past Tuesday I attended the funeral of LaBella Chiangirolo, who we knew as Lou for short. For over 25 years, Lou managed the affairs of the Tri-State Carpet Cleaners and Restores Association. She did it all, all the time, and virtually all by herself. The bookkeeping, meeting and event planning, fundraising, invoicing, and collections. Through the good times and the bad times, she was always there, and during the lean years, she reduced her salary because she knew that the group couldn't pay, afford to pay her agreed full salary. She was often the glue that held the organization together. She was skillful, organized, and efficient. 
She can supervise, delegate, and when necessary, even be demanding. Everyone who knew her knew exactly where they stood with her. She was unintimidatable. Lou will be deeply missed by those who knew and loved her. She is survived by her loving husband, Felix, and daughter, Felicia. Lou was 86. Back to you, Joe. All right. Thank you, Cliff. Let's let's get the uh, watchdog. Who let the dogs out? Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. All right. Pete, we have you on the line. Yeah, how you doing, guys? Great. Good to have you, Pete. Hey, Pete, just any, any quick um, updates, comments from the first half on the convention before we move into the initiatives? Well, I mean, I think Mark did a great job. Uh, you know, he covered all the highlights. Uh, I think there's a lot of good information there for the viewers. I, uh, you know, for your listeners, I, I think um, I, you know, I, I'm, we started these preliminary discussions, like Mark mentioned, to uh, to do some special stuff for the anniversary show next year. And, um, you know, every 10 years, the association historically, almost 40 years I've been involved, the 10-year seems to kind of the, the 40th, the 50th, the 60th, the, the, the association always has something special. So we'll um, hopefully we'll, we'll, have, we'll have some surprises. And uh, anyway, we'll leave it at that. But uh, I think the dates, I don't know if Mark gave the dates out, it is in March, so there is, there is a short calendar. Um, you know, we're going to be, uh, after this year's show, I'm pretty sure we'll probably have to start with the call for papers and all that because we'll only have 10 months to prepare. Um, so I can't, I'm not, I don't have the dates right in front of me, but uh, I think no it's problem. early in March. We'll get them out. Marriott World Center. Pete, one of the big initiatives coming up is the um, Certified Restorer Program, the Certified Restorer Curriculum. Can you... I, I, what I'd like to do is try and get, while you're doing this, get some tips out for the listeners. So let's start with this. What, With respect to that curriculum, what kind of things weren't covered well enough by any group in the past? I don't want to you know, say that the RIA didn't cover or whatever. What did we find when you went out and did what you did, You know, an industry-wide look at the curriculum? What kind of things really needed to be updated, covered a little more in detail. Yeah. Well, okay. So let, let me address that like this. And I, I think probably to, to, to really put it in perspective for the listeners, I have to back up a little bit. I mean, the reason that the curriculum, the, the, the need to do a curriculum probably started at our board about five or six years ago when, you know, Marty King, who has, you know, been the longtime mentor and technical advisor for the association, uh, we had his, his retirement year was 2012, and we did a lot of things to, to honor Marty in that regard. And when there was kind of this passing of the torch, if you would, um, for the Certified Restorer Program, which Marty started in the 80s, um, you know, it was, it was time for the association to essentially uh, take a look at, did we want to go down third-party accreditation road, and, you know, what, what needed to be updated uh, in the program. So uh, our former executive, uh, our former uh, director of education at the time, had worked in the '90s in another another trade association, doing something very similar. And so the board agreed to uh, to budget some money and time to hire an, a professional curriculum developer. These are uh, every university has someone like that, but this lady that we use is out of Research Triangle. She's done this for many years, and they don't know anything about the actual profession that they facilitate, but they what they do is they're experts on the process. And so we put a, uh, uh, we, 
we recruited a committee of nine people that met the demographics criteria to do this under kind of the third-party kind of credentialing rules, if you would, when you develop a curriculum and potentially, you know, organizations go down that road to do credentialing. And um, they were oriented and, uh, you know, recruited and trained and vetted, et cetera, to meet this criteria. And then the process started. It was a three-year process that had um, 10,000 man-hours involved and, uh, you know, from a wide cross-section of the industry. What that produced was approximately a 100-page document. And it identified the first thing that you do when you start a process is you identify the industry. In other words, just to find the word restoration, what did that mean? And then they, they broke it down into kind of like the 30,000-foot view of the industry. What do people need to know to be qualified to be a restorer? And there were four uh, kind of master master headers, if you would, master domains, and they needed to, to know tech, have technical expertise. There needed to be scientific expertise. There needed to be management expertise. And then the, the fourth dynamic uh for the certified restorer, as someone kind of took this career path, was there was there was leadership requirements. Then once they go through this process to drill down in those areas, it's a long, detailed process that eventually when you drill down and you're down, you know, at, at the very beginning levels of someone that would enter the profession in those four particular areas. So um, after that document kind of went through the, the committee process for the three-year process, um, the association uh, went out and we um, solicited uh, peer reviewers, and I, we had probably had a group of, I don't know, at least 30, maybe 30 to 40 peer reviewers, people that applied. Uh, they, you know, I assigned a document to, to the terms of the review. They, they had to go through an orientation, and then there was a process to get their comments, which were all brought in, and then the document kind of evolved. After that, there was kind of an open notice to the industry, after the first notice, and I don't know, there was maybe half a dozen people for that. So at this particular stage, where the association is at, we've been working with that document to redevelop the certification, the entire certification process and the body of knowledge for restoration, which is, you know, all-encompassing in, in many different kind of sub-disciplines in fire, water, environmental areas. Um, we are planning to have a, uh, to make this document available for open industry review. Right now, the certification uh, staff and the committee at REA are preparing the document to release it. And it's potentially, it's going to be released sometimes before the convention in May, and it'll probably be out there um, for uh, four or five to six weeks so that, that the industry can, um, can comment on it and... Uh, that can come back to the, you know, to, to the committee for, for consideration before the document is, is formally published. Um, we did get some requests, and I, I brought this up in the last show on the IQA show, that the IQA uh, made a request, and they would like to uh, take it to do, to do a review as an association through their technical educational people, and I'm going to work with the RA staff to make that available. Subsequently, we got a request from AIHA, we're certainly going to uh, reach out to RMOU partner IICRC and any other, you know, related organizations to, to try to accommodate that in the same way, which is different than it's just a general open review, which is more of an individual. Here you'll have organizations, and they'll get the, the right people, the, the instructors, the trainers, you know, the, the technical experts, to comment on that so that this document can, you know, be 
as wide a broad-based consensus as possible for it's uh, for it to put out there. So that uh, you know, it's a it's a detailed, uh, long process. Uh, it takes time. You have volunteers. You have paid staff. The budget money. I mean, you want to be open and and you know and and be inclusive if you can. And quite frankly, to do something of that magnitude, Joe, is just not something that that's easy and that it's not quick. You don't just turn it around and say, "All right, let's just get together and let's just whip this thing out." So um, anyway, that's that's kind of as short a cliff note version as I can give on it, uh, at least to do it justice. Cliff, do you have anything you wanted to add or any other questions? Nope, not on that. All right, um, let's let's move to the next topic here. You you. I'm not that familiar with the the educational offerings at RIA. Um, I, I assume there's some new things in 2016, but maybe I'm wrong. Can you kind of give us an idea of where you're headed with that? Maybe either Mark or or Pete, whomever. Um, and, and Pete, let me let me go back to the CR for one moment. I didn't notice if you mentioned this. Are are you looking at having that maybe become a third party accredited uh, certification at some point in time? Well, we're not really sure to the answer to that. I mean, essentially, that's part of the discussion. I mean, the first thing that you have to do is actually develop the curriculum. That's a process unto itself. Mm-hmm. And I at least my understanding is is that when groups get together to do that process, they they try to follow the rules of having it be third party accredited. But that that becomes a, a decision that the association has to make. Um, you know, first you got to develop the product. And then you determine, okay, now do will it be third party or not? So, I mean, I I really can't comment on that because I don't think a decision has been made. Mark may you know may have a viewpoint on that, um, but we developed it as if it was going to happen. Okay, I, 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 that's fair enough. Mark, yeah. do you want to add anything? Joe, yeah, Joe, if I could just add, yeah, Pete's exactly right. I, when we're putting this together, it, it it's ultimately being put together in mind uh, with seeking third-party accreditation. We're certainly taking the steps to do that. When we are together in Las Vegas, we actually will have a group uh, of members and uh, certified restorers um, taking a practice test, more or less, to to begin vetting out certain questions, making sure we're questioning the right things. Um, So we're taking those steps, um, but it's not going to happen, I think, in the immediate future. Okay, fair enough. Let's go to uh, educational offerings. Which one of you wants to grab this? What's different in 2016? Well, I'll make make a couple comments on that because this is actually directly related to the CR curriculum. One of the things that the association did, and certainly any of our members who might be on the call and listen to the podcast will be familiar with this, when the association went through the process to develop this curriculum, we, we... we put into place what was called the grandfathering period. In other words, we wanted to give our members maybe a two-year notice, let them know, look, we're going through this process. Once the curriculum is developed and depending if the decision was made to become third-party accredited, you know, the, the rules will change. We, we don't really know what they were, but we felt it was important to give the members that notice. So those last couple of years, while it was in place, 2012, 2013, uh, we had a lot of people that came through through the grandfathering process for the CR, the WLS, the CMP, you know, all of our, our, our advanced designations. Um, what happened was there, there became a void or a vacuum that was created there. When the association uh, did the strategic planning and when the decision was made to change from, you know, kind of the self-managed model to move into the, into the larger multi-management model that we have now with Mark and his staff, 
it kind of was a little gap that was there, and there wasn't a plan for it. I mean, I just want to be honest with the listeners. You, just, you can't, you know, you can't put polish on a turd, like they say. So <laughs> some of our members said, hey, you know, what's going on? And uh, and we basically tell them that we're, you know, it's a tedious process to try to, to get the curriculum right. So the decision was made to kind of reinstitute the grandfather with this year to get those education out there. So there's two dynamics that take place. One is there's a certain group of, of candidates for either CRWS and CMP that were maybe like in the pipeline. They had already qualified. They may have taken some of the prereqs, possibly took the exam and they failed and need to retake the exam. Maybe they passed the exam, but they hadn't done their formal report or other requirements, you know, to complete it. We wanted to get all those kind of people through the pipeline before the new, pro- the new criteria rolled out. But we also wanted to give additional members an opportunity who may have had a lot of the prereqs in place to take those courses. So we did a course in February, and we had uh, we had pretty good amount go through there. I think there was a, a dozen schedules, and then with the bad weather, a few had to cancel, but they're going to plan on coming in the fall. And, uh, you know, and, and Cliff, uh, uh, the Z-Man himself, is now going to be involved again with the association in training and educa- you know, education advisor. You know, for the role that he's played for many, many years, uh, you know, in that area, he's been a loyal supporter and a real innovator in that area. So there is going to be a uh, another a CR course in November. There will be a WS course in October, and uh, and I think also in October will be a CMP course. So we kind of have that going on. Um, there's some other offerings that I think that are under consideration that are that are normally put on by the councils, and I'll I'll let, I'll let Mark address that because he was more directly involved in that. So for, at a minimum, we're definitely going to put those certifications on, and then um, you know, and we're going to we're going to kind of build build off of that. Um, I, okay. I would I would like like Mark to comment on and any other educational offerings and tag on to that, and then as as we kind of move down some of the other initiatives, there's a couple other comments I like to make to kind of set the table before we kind of maybe move into the roundtable, Joe and Cliff, if that'd be all right. Yeah, let's. We're going to have to move quick before we do the yeah. WLS. Is water loss specialist CMP is the what certified mold professional? So those stay in place. Mark, go ahead. Yeah, I'll and I'll be brief, Joe. I recognize the time limitations. A couple of quick things just that Pete mentioned. Um, our uh, we will be putting on this fall a a small event uh, concerning forensic restoration. Uh, that's coming out of our Environmental Health and Safety Council. It will be in October out in California. And then next year, we're going to bring back our uh, Strictly Contents Conference, something that RAA had done uh, for a number of years, um, you know, in the late 2000s, early 2010-ish uh, time period. And the other thing that I will add that uh, Pete talked about is that uh, we've expanded our online educational offerings. Uh, RAA would do typically half dozen webinars a year. Um, we have expanded that to be at least once a month now. Um, they typically take place on the last Wednesday of every month. We just had one yesterday, and they are scheduled the last Wednesday of every month through the end of June. Okay. Um, let's look at real quick some of the other initiatives. Pete, I know you had a couple comments. I'd really like to get – I know we've got Chuck and I believe Scott – on uh, on the line here let's get them in in a minute but you've got fire standards coming you've got the ria's accounting and financial management guidelines and standardized contracts you've got the glossary glossary of terms the asbestos fact sheet that came out 
uh, you're working on some Ebola guidelines or they may be out. And then, uh, so Pete, if you would, maybe you could run down your thoughts on those and then we'll bring the other guys in. Yeah. So, so what I wanted to say was, is that, um, the, the other, the other programs that we were working on before I get uh, address those initiatives, Joe, is that there are certain prerequisite stuff that the REA facilitates in order for people to, uh, basically go to the prep courses for WS and the, and the uh, CR. One of them is a building science course we've been doing for many years, and uh, there's also a project, project management model, and then there's a special course called Content Science and Theory, um, which is a, is a mandatory prerequisite for the CR. So we're trying to organize and put all those on sometime this summer as a prerequisite to the fall courses. Now, let me talk about these other items that you mentioned. I mean, one of the things, the way that, to, to, to bring your listeners a little bit up to date, one of the ways that the association develops their programs and their, their educational offerings is through councils. And the, the primary councils that serve, you know, the technical aspects of restoration, the market alluded one is the Environmental Council, the Contents Council, um, there's, uh, and then the Restoration Council is kind of the core council, if you would, for the fire and water component, uh, which is the core business that we're in of the association members. And um, so over the years, uh, the, the council, uh, every so many years, the councils will get together and develop an agenda of what are the key initiatives that, that should be advocated on behalf of the members in the industry. And several years ago, the councils decided to go into into business area to deal with best practices in business. So we developed, um, took several years, was published last fall, a document called the Accounting and Financial Management Guidelines, and it's very specific to... Uh, you know, the restoration industry and the different models that are being used out there on the best practices for managing and using accounting principles. And since Chuck's going to be on, and he was very involved in that committee, I'll, I'll let him kind of maybe go one away with some comments on that. Of course, the fire standards was something that dates back to when Scott was actually the chair of the Restoration Council um, when uh, REA started that process with the IESO which now in a few months will be, like we talked about in last week's show, will come under the ASHRAE model. And, um, and RAA has an MOU with those folks to, to develop the fire standards that we're working on. And, um, and those, those are all kind of in progress and have been happening. One was published with the, with the sort of chart document that dealt with identifying soot and, and uh, residues and sort of HVAC systems. Um, standardized contracts is something that we rolled out about two or three years ago. And, um, those are something they're on the website. They're available to members only. It's a free download, and um, we're trying to we're trying to model after AIA and some of the construction industry where we can get some standardized terminology and contracts that were used generally for the industry, but in many states they they had to be basically vetted under local state statutes. Glossary of terms was a, was a, something that we put out about four or five years ago to just establish terminology in a particular area that would essentially allow the fire standards, the accounting document, you know, these other documents that we start to use similar language. And I think I, when I mentioned and talked about the curriculum, just to define the word restoration, it's important. You have 10 different people and they have different terms. Well, now that will be defined and this is, you know, what the association means when we, when we refer to some of these terms. Now, can anyone get that one, Pete? Can anyone get that off the website? Yeah, all of, all of those documents, that one, anyone can download the glossary of terms, and that's actually, quite frankly, is one of these evolving things where people can actually comment and as, you know, and it, it'll constantly kind of 
maybe be updated periodically through the council. Okay. So that uh, the standardized contract was something specific to the members. The accounting sure. document um, that uh, that that could be uh, purchased for both members and non-members. Um, the asbestos fact sheet is something that could be downloaded. That's been out there for a while. That came out of the Environmental Council, and uh, that you know essentially is coordinated and organized all of the different. Uh, uh, laws and statutes out there from the EPA, from OSHA, you know, and other agencies on um, to just give factual information in dealing with asbestos. So, you know, uh, whether you're a contractor, whether you're a consultant, uh, a consumer, an insurance company, whomever, they should know and understand that that's a regulated material. And then the Ebola and some of those issues, those have kind of been on the kind of global radar screen here the last year or two. Um, the Environmental Council has, uh, has developed some guidelines there, and um, I'm not sure. I think those were on the website. Maybe Mark or someone else may, may be able to comment on that. So essentially, these are the kinds of things, when, you know, if you look at REA's mission to sum this up, and then you can bring the boys in for comment. But essentially, our mission is to provide leadership, support science, and promote best practices in cleaning and restoration. So the different initiatives that we work on have to have to basically serve that mission. And so I think you can tell, and, and the listeners, from what we've talked about here for the last 15 minutes, that these are all these offerings are designed to basically do that, to, to, to provide leadership in, for our members in the industry, to, to have to be scientifically consensus-based as we develop them, and then to promote the best practices to, to the members in the greater industry at large for the profession of, of cleaning and restoration. So anyway, at that point... Um, any other questions, I'd certainly uh, be happy to take. And I think uh, we want to give Mark an opportunity to comment, and I think it would be great to bring Scott and Chuck in and let them comment accordingly, too. Absolutely. Mark, anything you'd like to add before we go to the roundup? No, I, th- I think Pete summed it up you know, nicely. It would be good to get the other voices involved on in this. So we'll, we'll head over to the roundup. Let's so. do that. Go for it. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up. Move him on, move him on, hit him up. Raw high. Cut him on, ride him in, ride him in, let him out. All right. I think I've got Scott Stamper, your guest at six. Um, Scott? I'm here. We've got you. All right. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for joining us. You're the current president of RIA. Just real, real quick, if you would, Scott, is there anything you'd like to add to what we've discussed here so far today? I'm not quite sure if you mentioned it here, is that recently the RIA, uh, this, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Industry Advisor, Pete Consigli, <laughs> he uh, took on the uh, role of our uh, chair or heading up our educational uh, prospects and getting everything together to reintroduce. Um, we are, uh, through a mandate we put together, and I pushed when I came in, uh, education had to immediately get going. Um, I know that he's enlisted uh, um, the Z-Man to help out with that, and uh, which is great. Thank you, Cliff. Um, you know, we've got a lot of great product, a lot of good educational material to get out there. Uh, Pete's got a big job ahead of him. I think yesterday, uh, a board call, I just uh, gave him another uh, request that I wanted him to start a, uh, a training campaign for some additional uh, teachers uh, to be able to teach Canadians uh, in Canada. So Pete's got a lot on his plate. We're excited about it. So I wanted to mention that and say thank you. I'm glad you did. And, and let's go to Chuck. Chuck Violin, do we have you on the line? Hey, Joe. Yeah, Good. I'm here. 
Great to have you, Chuck. Anything you'd like to add at this point? You know, these guys have done a great job of explaining the things that are going on, and they're very thorough with it, so I don't see much sense in me inserting myself in there right now. Okay. And, Chuck, are you? what's your position now on the board? I'm first vice president. First VP. So First VP. That means... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it means a lot of different things, Joe. Some of them we can discuss on the radio and some we can't. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. At least not in polite company. But <laughs> it, it certainly means that you'll be um, helping shape the future. I like to think that. All right. uh, we're going to be um, kind of heading up a strategic planning initiative that we've got going here. So I'm looking forward to that. What? You know, I'm curious. With I've got a question for any of you. I'm I'm going to throw it out. Um, RIA historically has been, you know, the larger restoration people are all involved with it. It's it's not inexpensive to join for someone like me. I'm I'm a small one man operation with you know an office manager. I'm a consultant, so I've always I've always wanted to to be more. Uh, to, to be more involved with RIA, but I can't, you know, I can't justify spending the kind of money for membership when I don't do that type of work. Have you ever thought about having another category of membership for, you know, other people within the industry, consultants, uh, maybe building owners or, or whomever that, you know, they could at least get some of these benefits without necessarily being able to, um, you know, spend as much as... Yeah, we, this is Pete. we we do have that category. You do. We we I'm not sure. I think you would qualify, and maybe Mark can can look at because we when when we did the after the rebrand and we we kind of updated some of our governance policies. We do have a variety of different categories for the vendor categories, the the general general categories for general members, franchisors, franchisees, the branch members of companies that have multiple locations, and then there is a specific one. I think it's called the professional member which was designed for consultants, attorneys, industrial agents, people who basically were peripheral and wanted to network with the members, and, and that was a, at a lower-cost uh, classification. So that is out there. I mean, maybe Mark uh, or, or Scott may be able to comment on that. I think it's $300 a year for the uh, individual professional membership. Okay. Uh, which is, uh, is, I believe that's it, right, Mark? That's correct. Okay. Um, which is uh, uh, far less than what we charge our uh, general members. So, um, you know, we're always looking to get more people on. And if that's a barrier to entry, um, an email to me or something to Mark as to uh, what everybody would think was fair, we're always looking to uh, increase our our uh, impact on uh, not only the United States but the world. So, you know, we'd be open to most anything as far as opening a discussion on that. I'm glad I asked. All right, Cliff, let me turn it over to you. Do you have any final questions, comments? Because we're yeah, we're running pretty close. I think there was one question left unanswered, and, and this probably goes over to Chuck. Um, Pete said that you were going to explain the uh, you know what went into the accounting uh, component, Chuck. Yeah. Um, well, there were, Cliff, there were several of us who wrapped up this whole project that had been going on far longer than I was involved in it. Uh, Jack and Carpenter, Larry Holder, Cindy was involved when I got started, Wayne Otachowski, Kent Rahauser. In the document itself, Cliff, I mean, it's pretty comprehensive. We take it all the way from 
company legal structures to uh, strategic planning, business planning. Uh, we do address overhead and profit briefly in there. We talk about budgeting, cost accounting, financial management, administration of the accounting function. So, I mean, it goes all the way from chart of accounts through establishing KPIs. I mean, it's it's very thorough. I'm very I'm very thrilled with the out with the output here. Guys, I've got one last question. I want to take this around to um, all four of you. Hey, uh, Go ahead, Pete. I just have one comment I'd like to, to dovetail off the chat sure. before you go to the final question. One of the things that's important for the listeners to know is that every initiative and every product that REA developed, we follow the consensus-based process. It's kind of like following the ANSI process without having to. And that, that way, that's how you get growth-based consensus. So everything that I explained of how we basically qualified the CR curriculum, that exa exact same process was followed for that accounting document. So we had the same review process, same orientation, same feedback. We got very broad-based group of people in the industry who, uh, who participated in that. And I think that that's what makes that document, you know, to be more of a consensus-based document uh, through REA and through the industry. So anyone that uh, hasn't looked at that, I think it'd be very, very helpful, no matter what part of the industry you're in, whether you're a contractor or a consultant, a vendor, somebody working, is to understand that. And you can go to the online bookstore at REA uh, to get that document. So I, I, I want to just tag that on to what, uh, what Chuck said. And, Joe, if I could just add real briefly here yes. after Pete's comment. It's written for non-financial managers. That's the beauty of it. So it speaks in plain English to the things that need to be done in accounting. Well, that's Powerful. what we need. That's what we need. And, I, and I'll tag on one more. It Good. is currently in the process. We approved yesterday to begin the conversion of that document so that it can be a reflective of the Canadian uh, market. So that's in process. And we just started the Australian update as well. So that's it. Great. All right, gentlemen, here's the big, the, the big question now. All right, you've got your magic wands. You've got your opportunities. Two years from now, all this unification stuff is going on right now. We're seeing RIA working with the Council of Associations. We're seeing IICRC working more closely with the RIA. We've got IAQA working with AIHA and ASHRAE and memorandums of understanding as well with uh, with IICRC. I'm not sure about RIA. I think so. Um, you've got groups like NADCA trying to become more involved, more unified with respect to this industry. In two years, wave your magic wand. What would you like to see with respect to how this all shakes out? Let's start with uh, let's start with Scott. Thank you. Uh, in my opinion, in two years, uh, the RIA and the IICRC will be much more aligned. Uh, we will have gotten past the history of mistrust and issues that we've had in the past. Uh, we put that behind us, and we are now collaborating and not crossing over on educational opportunities and working together in a more unified fashion for the industry. RIA is a uh, is now a, a part of the IICRC is either a shareholder or involved somehow. Uh, in addition, the RIA has become part of the Council of the Council of Associations, the IICRCA, and has become a big part of that. In addition, the RIA will have firmed and grown the Canadian market, working with 
another association up there in conjunction, and uh, I forecast we triple our membership in in Canada within the next two years. In addition, the model that we've started in Canada will also have taken hold in Australia, and we will be building our membership there. In addition, we will have uh, fishing lines out, so to speak, and be working on building our, our a consensus and some uh, uh, some traction in back into the UK market, uh, Scotland, Ireland, and uh, you know maybe there's one more. Uh, that's what I see at this time. I'm glad I asked, Scott, and thanks for being open and, and uh, getting that vision out to the listeners. Let's go to Chuck. Joe, I agree with exactly what Scott was saying, and I, I am in uh, alignment with what he's saying. In addition to that, I also see us having a little bit closer alliance with IAQA and working much closer with them, just as we're trying to work closer with IICRC and IICRCA. And in addition to Canada and Australia and the UK, I also feel that to be a global organization, we ought to include the um, you know, European continent on that as well. Uh-oh. Did we lose you, Pete? No, no, I'm here. All right. What do you, what's your vision, Pete? Two years from now, wave your magic wand. Where are we? Well, I think Mark kind of talked about this in the first part of the show when he said that you have to get past the contracts and deal with stuff that's already in place. But to me, the coming together of the industry is going to involve a couple of things. The first thing is, is when you just have a big trade show, and everybody comes under that umbrella in some format. You know, for for years, I kind of, a lot of uh, industries have this. Uh, AAA has it. The home builders have it. You know, you have a core show that maybe is on a Wednesday, Thursday, and then the Monday, Tuesday, the Friday, Saturday, you have all the other stakeholders, and I call them the subgroups, you know, where the, the large national players, the franchises, some of the, uh, you know, the, the commercial groups, uh, and they hold some of their meetings around the industry show to bring in all the exhibitors and all the different stakeholders. And so this not only is it makes us better for the vendors who bear a lot of that cost, but it makes it better for all the attendees and people who can only be away from their business for so long. And some of them that belong to franchises and other networks, they have mandatory requirements. So those need to need to be kept in mind. So I, like Mark said, I think if we plan that out, and if we have to start that for 217, 218, whatever it is, it's important that the industry has those discussions to move towards that. The other thing is it's kind of the combining of the different uh, media and the different uh, trade journals out there. I mean, obviously, you have the global commercial, every industry has commercial journals which try to support the association and the nonprofits. But I think the coming together of, of RIA and IACRC working together is, could be collaborative around the Cleaning and Restoration magazine, the IACRC technical journal, so that, that, that the different groups are not kind of doing the same stuff. They're doing, uh, you know, complementary stuff. And, um, so I'm, I, I could see all that starting to develop uh, and start to happen in the next couple of years. And I think it's very important. The final thing I would say is I think it's important of all the leadership of the different organizations that are all trying to collaborate is that they just try to be transparent and they communicate to the members what they're doing. Just kind of give them weekly, you know, not weekly, give, give them updates monthly, quarterly. Say, hey, this is what's going on. This is what's happening, whether it's electronic, whether it's you coming on, on your show, whether it's a, an article in a magazine, so that people kind of know what's going on. I think if we do that, I think the industry will support it, and I 
I just see it being a real bright horizon out there, and I'm I'm very excited for guys who've been in as long as me. I'm 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 real I'm excited about it. I feel it's better than I have in a long time that these things can become a reality. And Mark, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I'll just be brief because I think a lot of it's been touched on. <clears throat> but RIA for a long time had been seen as the go-to source for really quality education, particularly for those you know, project manager, CEOs of the companies. Um, you know, we, we took a step back, started to revise a lot of our programs, but as we begin to debut these revised programs, you know, I look at us in two years where, once again, we are absolutely at the peak of our game at that and that we are the go-to for that source of education. I, and for that, I think RAA would be uh, an absolute benefit for everybody in the restoration business out there. You know, and I, I'll add my personal input on this. I'd love to see this industry start to work together toward supporting one set of standards and one set of certifications. You can have sub, you know, you can have technician level education, certification, uh, if you want to call it certification or certificates of completion or, you know, maybe a hands-on um, uh, assessment. But those certifications need to come together, and they really should be third-party. Um, that's where everybody's headed out there. So we need to figure that all out, put it all together, support it. And, and I, I think we're headed in that direction. I, I, I hope so, and I hope we've been able to help a little here. And um, before I finish, I want to make sure, Cliff, is there anything you'd like to add along those lines or any line? Well, well, Joe, I think that my, you know my final comment is it's about the right people doing the right things for the right reason. There you go, and and that has been a problem in the industry in the past. The other thing that I think Cliff, you and I agree on, I'd like to make sure these small regionals, like the one that uh, Lou helped to run for so many years, don't get crowded out or, or wiped out by by the big guys as as we're going down this path toward unification of this industry, there's a place for those regional organizations. I think they've really taken it on the, on the nose over the last 10 years or so. And, um, I hope they're able to recover, live through, you know, survive through this and, and prosper along with the big guys. So, all right, gentlemen, I really appreciate everybody joining us and, um, you know, being, uh, open and honest with your answers to the listeners. And, and I really look forward to working with all of you and helping move this industry forward as we go down this path. Um, Pete in particular, I know that you've really pushed for this type of unification for years and not only us, but also with the building science people, uh, the energy guys, the, you know, working together with academia, um, all of those things seem to be coming into place, and it's great to be a part of it right now. All right, so this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks so much to our guests. We had a great, 
great uh, lineup today. We had Mark Salvatelli. I've got to get that right, Mark, uh, with the RIA, the executive director, Salvatelli. I left the L out, Mark. Uh, of course, thanks to Chuck Viond and, and thanks to Scott Stamper, to the uh, global industry watchdog, Pete Consigli, to my co-host, the Z-Man. John, you got to have faith. No glitches today. Beautiful job. Most importantly, our group of loyal listeners out there. We'll be back in two weeks on the 10th. We've got a great show lined up. Dr. Gilbert's coming in from the Chicago area. And then on the 17th, we'll follow up on this show with the uh, IICRCA folks, the Council of Associations. So you all have a great um, Easter holiday. And uh, everybody come back and join us in two weeks for the next broadcast of IAQ Radio. This has been another IAQ Radio production.